Hello, this is Caitlin, and you're listening to Podcast Wars by Internet Ad. Hey, Chris, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yes, well, that sounds like you're at a level 10. Out of 10? Out of 10. Yes, I am. <laughs> Good to be but here. Yes, man. How, how's your week? Week is going good. I've actually had a really positive week this week. I think it's been really productive. Um, I'm really excited about some things that are happening in the pipeline with internet ads. And yeah, there's nothing I can really complain about. Like I can't find one thing. That's really positive. And usually I can. You know me. <laughs> I do. I do. And, you know, I mean, I think we're... We're, we're learning as we're going along and it's, it's exciting to see what's happening in the near future on this podcast. I, um, I think that this week has been similar to me in terms of having a lot of positivity in my life, particularly because I've just booked a trip to Byron Bay next week. Oh, yeah. So was this a bit of an impromptu trip? Impromptu? Is that the word? Impromptu. Impromptu, sorry. <laughs> it's late. I'm the morning person. Chris is a late. You do this a lot. What? As in, I, not that you mispronounce things. I but do. I have, I have a different idea of what something might be pronounced as. And then I get confused if I'm right or wrong. And I'll just, it just, puts no, it I down. do it a lot. Okay. I need to back myself more. Yeah. Okay. So, was it a spare of the moment trip? No, we were meant to be going to Queenstown for a ski trip. Um, and that's obviously not happening. Yeah. So now, yeah, driving up for about eight and a half hours and going north as far as we can go, the state lines basically, and having a week in Byron Bay just by the uh, the ocean. Is Peach the and Pokey going? Fortunately not. Sad. So Peach and Pokey are our dogs, Kelpie and Chihuahua. So cute. They can't come. But because we always go away with them different places, like we can never go into national parks. <laughs> and, now, dogs. <laughs> and now I can go for a walk in a national park. That's nice. Yeah. The glass half full It's like, you, you know, are. we'd be walking like in Sydney and there might be a bush track like on next to the, the you know, the normal um, footpath. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, let's go. And then obviously it says, oh, state forest, no dogs. And like, oh. Why is that? Um, native wildlife. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So they're, they're worried that a dog will eat a brush turkey or something. Yeah, I reckon Pokey has a pretty good chance of eating a wild bush turkey. She's, yeah, she's got a bit of... We'll post a photo up on socials later, but Pokey is a, a character. She's, yeah, she's a bit weird. <laughs> um, this episode is is um, is big for us. I think we're, we're, we're just deep, not debunking, I'd say explaining um, in depth around different like models of monetization within the podcasts yeah. and for our audience. Um, obviously, we've just come up to this point looking at different parts of the entire podcast ecosystem, particularly, um, you know, how the different platforms are engaging with, with I guess, their podcasting um, offering at the moment is quite um, exciting, how the different developments that are happening there. Um, but, I mean, this episode, we've obviously, you know, throughout that series have talked a lot about how a podcast um, can make money um, for those companies. Yeah. But I suppose, you know, in this episode, we will more or less, more of like an introspective, you know, what does it mean for a 
creator um, to make money? Like, how can they do that? Yeah, like, how does internet ads make money? <laughs> um, I ask, ask that question every day. <laughs> before we get into that, um, we have some tech news updates, which are really exciting. And if you haven't had your head in the sand, you would have heard um, about all the goings on with Google at the moment. Google and Facey, the ACCC, go for it, Chris. Yeah, Google has interestingly um, just published a, an open letter on the subject. Um, so that is a really bold move. Yeah, I it, feel like. Yeah, I I just I feel. Maybe as well. I, it felt dirty. It felt dirty, <laughs> yeah. and maybe it was just because I, I I'm sitting on this side of the fence, um, you know, working at a, a publisher itself. Um, yeah. That stands to benefit off this 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 news um, bargaining code. Um, so what Google has done, they've published a, an open letter that was written, um, I guess, was signed off by Mel Silver, um, who's the, the 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 head of Google Australia, and they've they've placed this open letter on their search and YouTube pages as a pop up. So if it doesn't matter who you are, it pops up. I mean, obviously they've targeted and it's it in like a big yellow exclamation mark. You yeah, won't it's miss crazy. it. Yeah, and um, yeah. So basically, they're claiming that the proposed changes um by the ACCC are not fair and they mean that Google search results and YouTube will be worse for you. And to quote them, that your search data is at risk and that the enormous and unreasonable demands would put um, their free services at risk also. Okay. I don't think Google has anything for free. Like, (laughs) to be honest, like if you are doing search engine optimization, you're paying a company to help you get ranking in position one or you're paying google ads directly to bid on keywords to become number one but i disagree with google's argument around um the change obviously there will be a change in the algorithm but there won't be a change in the types of service and products like say for example if i'm a plumber and we're doing hot water systems like what would hot water systems have in common with the news like if you're looking for a hot water system and a news article comes up about a burst hot water system that broke blah 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 in whatever town you're going to go to the service like the user will know which is what it, i don't think it's actually going to affect or increase bids on keywords like i just don't yeah it's quite disingenuous i feel the way google has gone about it i suppose i should clarify what the code is in case anyone hasn't seen what the the latest draft is on this on this on this situation um so what happens is that the the ACCC um has been able to i guess enforce um this kind of minimum standards of Facebook and Google um surrounding news content which includes that those two platforms have to give advance notice of any changes to the the algorithm that might mm-hmm. affect um news publishers rankings within and Sorry, rankings and presentation of news. Uh, also, um, they need to appropriately kind of recognize news content as news um, and also provide um, information about how users are interacting with news content on their platforms. Yeah. So not necessarily giving over the way Google describes it, giving over like the keys to the car in terms of is data about what your search history is and things like that. So um, back to your point, yeah, I, th- I think it's quite 
It's quite, I don't know, I was a bit taken aback about how like they framed fine. it. It's fine, Google. Like, you're still going to be the guy. Like, you're still going to be the number one search engine. I think a good thing that would come out of this movement is the fact that if, you know, Nine News come up with an article and they've written it, they will get credited for that. And then if people, if other news companies repost it or use repurpose the content, that'll be below that specific um, publisher. So I think that's really cool as well because a lot of the time news is just repurposed on several different publisher sites and no one gets credited for it. So I think it's actually a good thing. Yeah, I think that like if, when you see it from that perspective as well as that, you know, they, news publishers have had a lot of um, challenges obviously with these two platforms Yeah, given that 60 cents of every dollar Advertising dollars go to one of those companies. So there's this 40% um, of ad revenue that has to be left for the rest of, um, yeah. I guess, the entire industry, um, digital industry. So these news publishers are finding it harder and harder to produce journalism. You can argue about the quality of different publications and the news kind of, um, I don't know, the editorial take on different kind of news subjects. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I guess there is some, hopefully like this journalistic kind of ethics that would be sitting there yeah. and you wouldn't want um, Joe Bloggs who might not who'd be able to sprout, say, a fake news story. Um, I don't know, to win instead of maybe a, 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 a proper news publication. I suppose that might be a bit generalistic on that subject, but I think regardless is that, you know, if to, for Google to publish something like this means that it's obviously massive for them. Yeah. And that they were initially saying when this draft, um, this draft code came out that um, that news wasn't a significant part of their platforms. But yet you have Google sitting here going, the service is Literally at risk. Literally throwing the toys out of the pram there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get it. So um, the ACCC, um, Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, um, has accused Google's open letter um, as basically fake news. Um, it is fake news. I'm saying it here as well. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of went through line by line saying every part of the Google open letter is um, is quite, yeah, disingenuous, which is um, it's really interesting. So we obviously will have to wait and see how that's going to play out. And there is a deeper um, investigation by the ACCC into, um, you know, different parts of, the, of, of Google's ecosystem and how it plays into um, the wider uh, ad ecosystem. Um, and that's not limited to Google. That's going to publishers and uh, agencies as well, how they're operating. Yeah. Watch this space. be interesting to see how that unfolds. So next on the agenda, I think Chris is quite upset about this one. Um, the Fortnite game appears to have been blocked by Apple on iPhones. What do you think about that, Chris? When you hear it first <laughs> off the bat. What do you think? Um, he is a rolling down his eyes face. Yeah, I played it. Okay, I played it. <laughs> Isn't it a game for like 12 to 15-year-olds? Hey, I was just doing research. Yeah, okay. Um, and so what if it is, you know? So what if it is? <laughs> You'd be that guy with the headset on being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the guy who has no idea what's happening and I'm having all these like 10-year-olds like calling me. Oh, they're so good at really, it. It's an art. Really bad words. So. After Epic Games announced 
um, that it was encouraging Fortnite players to bypass Apple's in-house payment system, Apple has gone apeshit and pretty much said, well, we're removing Fortnite from the App Store. So basically, if you already have the app, you're all good, but you can't update any bugs, you can't update any new features. Or I don't, I've never played the game. I suppose it's like new armor and little bits and bobs you can kind of get in different levels. Um, I'll just stop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm generalizing here. I'm not sure. <laughs> it just means that they won't be able to update the game along with the rest of the player base. Yeah. Okay. It's quite significant. It's very significant. Um, I, like, you know, Fortnite has such a huge following. I would think that people would actually go to Samsung and buy that smartphone instead of Apple because they want the Fortnite game on their phone. Like this could almost remove like 20% of Apple iPhone users. I'm just pulling that number out of thin air, but it's a huge following. Well, it's a network. Yeah, it's, 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 I feel like I you're really quite... passionate about this. You don't I'm know what passionate to say. about. You're making you forcing me to be passionate about it. Like I don't play the game. Okay. I have played it. Okay. I haven't played. I don't play it. Yeah. I don't. I don't play it. Why? Like, you know what? I might download it. Okay. No, it's like it's it's quite significant. You know where Apple's claimed that you know they've violated the terms and conditions of the App Store, and saying that Epic is wanting special treatment. So. <laughs> Users have spent $1.2 billion um, on the Fortnite app since March 2018. That's a lot of money. And I'm sure Apple would have taken a huge cut of that and now they're blocking them. Yeah, like Apple has, they own all parts of the whole ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Them obviously still trying to maintain control of this ecosystem. Yeah. And, you know, if they, what Epic is trying to do is obviously maintain and control a lot more of the relationship they might have yeah. with the community around, say, the, these virtual dollars, which is what they've, which is what they've moved off the platform. So they have these things called V bucks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say what virtual dollars. <laughs> and but whatever it is, eight dollars. Um, like they they had a landing page on the app yeah. on the iPhone app to say, um, uh. You can buy, um, yeah, from the App Store, it's a thousand V bucks for eight bucks. And then underneath you, that, have they you said, ever bought, where in your life have you <laughs> ever bought some V dollars? No, but I have spent money in games somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it was the best and it was worth it, you know? <laughs> I don't have to justify my like purchases. Like Simpsons or whatever that game used to be. Well, like Simpsons Hit and Run? No, there's like, there was one that was like Simpsons App Out or something. There was an app. I don't play that. Okay. They've um so and then directly under that, then they said, or you can go to our website and buy it for you know twenty percent less. Great idea. Yeah, so it's a no brainer for any kid out there or adult who wants to buy <laughs> um, to go to the website. So that also pissed Apple off. Um, so yeah, I, I was shocked at how much money Epic had made from that um, one point two billion dollars. Yeah, well, makes sense. Like, oh, sorry, that was just Apple customers. Yeah, no, that's and the game's said. like. It's huge. It's huge on well, computer mostly, I suppose. Or well, I don't know. What device do people play it on, Chris? Clearly not their Apple smartphone. Yeah, I guess not. 
So um, I think this what's I think how this relates to for our audiences is that this could play into a lot of other, um, I guess, micro payments mm. that you might see from the bigger players. I know that Spotify doesn't let you um, purchase a Spotify subscription via the App Store. Did you know that? Yeah, because you have to. Yeah, it's annoying. I did know that. Mm. Um, and Apple claims to be all about the customer and the user experience, but hang on, they're not in this <laughs> instance, are they? When it comes to money. Absolutely not. Apple's a big dog. Speaking of Apple, something that we forecasted a little while ago, and they probably got their idea from our podcast back in the early days, is they are now bundling their subscriptions to obviously boost subscribers. So they're bundling their Apple Music subscription and their Apple TV subscription together. Happy days. I'm happy. Do you have either or? No. No, but I'm kind of keen on Apple TV. I, 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 I'm, I'm growing towards it because I would, I really want to get one of those new Apple um, set-top box things. Yeah. What's that called? Apple TV. Yes. No, it's not. It is called Apple is TV. Apple then what's TV the other Plus. service? TV Plus. I don't know. Well, I, want I don't one. have it, but I want it. <laughs> yeah, I just want it. I just like I the idea. <laughs> I just want to use my phone as like a remote control or something. Well, they have an exclusive TV show with Jennifer Anderson on Apple TV Plus um, called The Morning Show in America, but it's called The Morning Wars in Australia, which I find. What? Yeah, because we've got The Morning Show. So it makes oh. sense I can't call me that. But Jen Anderson's in and it's basically about like journalism, politics and Reese Witherspoon is in it as well. And I'm literally going to buy that subscription just to watch that show. It's like the Kardashian thing all over again. Oh, you and Hey You. Yeah. And that streaming thing. And oh, I yep. just wonder how they're going to retain me. Um, because you'll forget to unsubscribe. No, I will put, no, I won't. Well, I think that. We both unsubscribe we... from Quibi. Don't We're allowed to say, say it. That. Yeah, we can't say that. We're not sponsored by Quibi anymore. So we can, <laughs> can say that. So my prediction on Quibi was right and yours was wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 maybe this is a good experiment. Maybe you sign up and um, maybe down the track when you get bored of it. If you get bored of it, um, we can look at that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously not shocked. Um, there's a lot of riding on this. Um, Not shocked, predicted it. Yeah, because we're smart <laughs> AF. But I'm really interesting to see, interested to see what happens in this new September, October, whenever they do the new releases of their hardware and software stuff. Yeah, that'd out. be cool. So, um, yeah, it's unsurprising. I think what was really interesting as well is they were mentioning um, that there will be a new, like, the rumors, the rumors <laughs> on the web we're saying that Apple is also developing a new subscription um, for virtual fitness classes. Oh, yes. You were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure who I was talking to about it. (laughs) Yeah, it was me. Um, Yeah. I mean, that'd be crazy. I don't understand. So, like, what do you mean virtual fitness classes? Like, you're just paying to watch somebody do yoga and you just copy it? I don't know. Essentially what you get for free on YouTube. My yoga videos aren't monetized yet, so I can't. <laughs> I can't comment. But no, they Help. um, they no, this is exactly what we were talking about. Um, it might have been last episode. You know, how can podcasts monetize themselves in the future? Uh, and yes. my method was like, what Apple's really good at is to bundle some of their other 
apps or parts of their business into one. Yeah, so it's easier to use. Yeah. And one the example we had was, you know, say you had a private um, podcast feed that you were charging your audience to to listen to. You know, you could have that available in the podcast app. Um, and this would be something similar where you might have within the app store um, or their video app, they have whatever, you know, here's the fitness classes and then you buy the classes there. So you're no longer buying an app. You're That's buying cool, yeah. a video series. Yeah, that will be in its own little dedicated app, maybe in the day. But the app store then kind of expands, right? It's not just going another to be thing. The app store maybe it's going to be called like the life, and every part of your life can be bought. Again, you're welcome, Apple. Um, wouldn't want to be Nike. Jokes. I would still want to be Nike. Would love me. to be Nike. Would love to be Nike. You're all over that. So how's this going to play out in like? edition the next edition or sequel to shoe dog this is called shoe dog yeah so for our listeners i'm currently reading the dog the dog (laughs) is that is that that like lingo between other doggies like people who are like followers of this book and the story the book shoe dog by phil knight which basically is his um autobiography of how he invented the global brand nike and it is so good it's he's just written it so well it's like you're standing there next to him and he's telling you the story like he's just such a good storyteller i don't know if he physically wrote it himself or if somebody comes in and kind of was phil knight the the founder of he's the founder oh yeah so he must have read it well like i mean we must have read it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, late, have it's late people wrote it. he wrote it um yes but you know like surely somebody would he's not an illustrator or what's it called yeah. He's a shoe designer. Yeah, so, so surely somebody would have Why, been How could he write him. if he's designing shoes? Surely somebody would have helped him track that. But anyway, he's a great storyteller. You feel like you're there every step of the way. He goes year by year. Um, I don't even know why I'm talking about this anymore. <laughs> What's happening with Nike? Tell me the news. I know. Microsoft has just, uh, I know you're a big fan of this. Um, big, yes. You've been waiting a while. Waiting a long, too long. Too long? Um, well, it's out, it's ready. It's here and it's available. Um, you're obviously well aware of it. Microsoft has just released um, the new version of Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> uh, Who? I, like, I don't know much about this. Okay, well, I do. But <laughs> who would... Yeah, because you're a fan. Because I'm a right diehard fan. Yep. Who would use this? Who? Tell me what it is first. Well, it's exactly as the title suggests. Yeah, is it? It's a flight simulator made by Microsoft (laughs) or PC. You know, it is um, originally made in 1983, I think it was. Okay. Um, And it is uh, a video game that you can fly a plane. That's it. Okay, but so do you have to have, like, stuff hooked up to you? Like, are you physically punching the air? An IV drip. Get it hooked in. Yeah, like sit there what, and do a long haul flight from Sydney to Dallas. Do you have like a webcam situation? Like, I guess you could stream it. Oh my god! No, so like it, it has always um, been relevant to the flight sim community game because it is the best in class um, flight simulator. It's just it's been game changing from day one, and it continues to do so. Um, for the year 2020, which is great. Um, what I guess is so, and why it's, why it's relevant for this podcast is that it is 
very much an example of one company, um, you know, using all parts of its business, such as Microsoft, to produce entertainment at the end of the day. And I think that this is the first example of the future of either gaming or education or entertain, like entertainment in general. The reason why that is is that um, I'll, I'll read the, the blurb. Is yeah, that go on. Flight. <laughs> it calls it flight because that by everyone in the note, we just, call, we just call it flight. Flight simulator is a bit more of a mouthful. Um, flight may provide the most vivid consumer-friendly demonstration in years of how the bleeding edge of modern technology can provide fundamentally new human experiences and, quite literally, change how we see our world. <laughs> In that sense, flight may become Microsoft's <laughs> most effective marketing vehicle in years. That has so much mayo on it. Like, sorry, change how we see our world from a flight... Flight? Flight. Simulator. I'll just... Okay, keep going. So, what makes flight so revolutionary is that it's simply, <laughs> it's simply, it's not funny. <laughs> it is a, it's simply the most detailed and realistic model of Earth yet created. Yet created because there's, there's more. There's more coming. So maybe some dark web kind there's, of shit being yeah. developed. Love. Anyway, um, what they've been able to do and why it's so game changing is because not only have they like kind of recreated the planes as they always do. Like I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not even kidding. Like it's like a one to one like cockpit kind of detail that if you you could download the the manual to fly a Cessna little you know propeller plane and read it and then you could go fly the plane in this game because it's so realistic cool. or vice versa maybe you could learn in, online and go fly one yeah right life. but um what's 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 great about it is what they've, they've been able to take um Bing Maps and the technology within Bing Maps and all the I think they got two petabytes, petabytes, mm. which is a lot. Um, I wonder why they use Bing and not Google. Well, I suppose Bing's owned by Google. <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> no, Bing Bing's not owned by Google. Yes, it is, isn't it not? No, Google Maps is owned by Google and Bing's owned by Microsoft. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So Bing's um, Microsoft's search engine. And it's shit. Well, it's not that Have shit. you ever binged, mapped anything? <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> like, but, if you've ended up on Bing, fucking no, but this is like get a, out of the Explorer. This is like a giant ad for Bing Maps. Yeah, okay. Because I think when you're in the plane, um, it's photorealistic. Like the ground is photorealistic. So you're flying and you're in there with the controls and you could be flying over Paris and it's a complete recreation from satellite imagery of the real life power at Paris and using um, whatever technology that does it, you've got the same kind of like, you know, hills and mountains and the buildings themselves as well, are, um, exactly portrayed. Basically everything except um, military installations have been recreated. It's crazy and it's saying here that they've got real weather data so like the weather would be the same as the world. Yeah, and flight data. You know how you go on like flight radar and you can see all the different... Um, planes flying in and out oh i don't like this it's cool almost too so you could be flying yeah, along and you can addicted. see like the the real what about like terrorist Sydney attacks and route. stuff like that like like if i know the route now in this game mm. terrorist attack 
could open a whole can of worms of different things that we're not ready for yet as a society, in my opinion. Even though you're so excited and you're so pumped, like, a bit of fun. I just like to look at the... One more point before we get into monetization. Okay. It wasn't you that told me that they went to a Peking Duck concert within the Fortnite game. Was that you who told me that? I don't think so. I didn't go. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't think it was Peking Duck. I think it was actually it might have been Peking Duck, but it was a guy I don't know, but some like trap musician. And you went. And it in was the like game. a guy who's got a marshmallow for a head. Yeah. I think it's called Marshmallow Head. Okay. I don't and I don't in, know if I just made that up or not. So in the game But there was a there was an in-game concert in in Fortnite. Yeah. And all these kids went. And okay. and, and consenting adults. Okay. <laughs> they um well that's like this is interesting because like so Microsoft is like, I'm just going back to the Microsoft platform. Yeah, go on. Let's arc monetization. Let's talk about that yeah, next episode. That. Let's talk about <laughs> games. No, because like it's like the future of entertainment. It is. And we're, we're dedicated ourselves to talking about you know, media technology. Yeah. And Flight Simulator is the first example of a new breed of entertainment and media technology using cloud computing from Azure, which is yep. like Google Cloud or um, Amazon Web Services. You know, so they're like, both of those companies have launched their own gaming cloud service, which I think sucks. But this one's like actually what Microsoft's known for is all this different infrastructure for stuff in general. And they've been able to make Flight Simulator and the best example of how to use it. Yeah. It's really cool. So your machine could be really bad at um, anything, but you'll be able to play this game because it will just have to stream the data that's already been processed. Oh, okay. Um, computed, so to speak. So your computer's not doing the heavy lifting, but the the cloud service. Of so Microsoft the user is experience that. is going to be great, no matter what. The future is bright for everyone. So get excited, people, because they're probably going to make like long haul trucking simulator next, and that could be a hit. I can't wait. But also, yeah, it, it could also be like a concert in game. You know, you could go to Splendor Grass, but it's actually Splendor and Fortnite. And then I would rethink my whole existence. But yes. But you might buy some V-Bucks. <laughs> Can so. I please have a, a, a Red Bull vodka with my three V-Dollars? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, there's a quote here that says... <laughs> back, to, back, to, back to the game. You know what? Okay, let's can it, okay? <laughs> don't say it. Say the last thing. No, you don't know. They made a, a weird analogy. Is it about education? No. There's a quote above that. It's just kind of just like the, the boundaries are limitless. Okay, well... Why do you want to simulate? What? Well, that's what it says. We dream about these things a lot. No cues today. Now the dream is no longer. I thought you were saying, Chris, why do we want to simulate? Like, why do you continue to want to simulate things? Just live live in the real world. Well, maybe that's a key takeaway. Live in the real world for as long as you can. All right. Now that we have (laughs) spoken about... We still can't get over it. Chris's virtual reality. Um, we're going to get into the crux of the podcast, which or podcast wars, which is monetization. Um, so thinking from a publisher side of things or monetization of podcasts, a podcast network, and then from the angle of if you're a creator, how would you monetize your podcast? So we've narrowed it down to five different ways or opportunities to monetize your podcast. So one would be 
it's a no-brainer, add revenue. Two, partnerships. Three, subscriptions. Four, cross-platform integration. And five, indirect revenue. Ooh, what could that be? <laughs> wow, all the money's coming in so indirectly. Yeah. I can't keep track. Wow, this is not even the podcast anymore. It sounds like money laundering. Kind of is. I wouldn't know how that works. Anyway, so... Not you could do podcast. Oh. Mm. Uh, um, interesting. But anyway, so ad revenue is something that Chris and I are quite familiar with. Um, it is a strange one because you think the world or the advertising industry has been doing programmatic ad revenue for a long time now. So you'd think adding in audio to the, well, not a long time, like the past five to six years, it's come to light. Um, and you think adding audio to the mix would be a simple, simple task, right? But it's actually way harder than you think. Like it's not just turning on a magic button and having all this automated revenue come through the pipes. Oh, I wish. How could that be? That would be a really... I'd press that button now. That would make my job a lot easier, but it's definitely not. So it's like, it's almost the most backwards way to do, like it's literally so bizarre. If, you, if you're in the platforms, um, for example, there's a few platforms you can plug into. If you have a podcast network, I'm yeah. not going to name them, but you know, you're in there and you're like, cool. I'm here for the open auction or the open market, but you still, there's still so many different things that you need to do. And the point that I'm trying to make is, is, it, is it's not as just easy as getting ad revenue for no reason. Like you still have to manage those direct relationships. But one thing that I find really hard to do is scale impressions. So you could have. What do you mean by scale of impressions? Like, you know, so. When you have an ad, your dynamic ad is stitched in. So once you download your ad, your ad stitched in and your ad will be there in that download for life. So from also a measurable point of view from the advertiser side, yep. you don't even know if that podcast was played. Like how many times have you downloaded a podcast and not actually ever listened to it? Oh, it just keeps going. Yeah. So imagine if like the mid-roll You've never heard of it, but the impression is still played. I see what you mean. To the platform. Yeah, yeah. So there's no, there's no, there's no feedback yeah. from after the download if someone has listened, um, like what the realistic kind of, what's the right word, listenership maybe of your ad. Yeah. Like, so there's no, yeah, there's no, no metric. And it's like, it's not, to. you know, a video stream where it's consistent and playing in the background in mm. some instances. You know, you have to opt in. We spoke about it last episode. You have to opt in to play. You've got to go in and pick. Like it's not as easy as having something roll in the background. Like it's very, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I think judging by um, an article in Podcast Magazine, ad revenue is literally one of the lowest income earners for podcast revenue at the moment oh really yeah it's all most of it 54 percent of revenue is coming through the next point which is partnerships or subscriptions oh i see what you mean so it, it's it's not necessarily ad revenue but um that individual dynamic yeah yeah pre-rolls and mid-rolls 
okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. I think that that money will will come once the technology catches up. Yeah, There's I think it's like three to four years away, to be honest. Like if you've been in one of those platforms, it's literally like the Stone Age, like you're copying a code and then they're putting it in their DSP and then the advertisers are putting it in their DSP on their end and then you've got to sync it up and if somebody has a different fixed rate or if they're in USD and you're in AUD, like you have to fix it manually on both ends. So it's very um, manual, oh. which isn't like video or display. Yeah, like I think we were talking a lot about that. I think it was the last episode or two episodes ago where it's because you're not streaming, right? You're not streaming the episode yeah. or the podcast itself. So they have to go this roundabout way um, to, to solve like this issue. Bad for the content creators or the publishers. They won't be able to get the, um, the ads. Well, I feel like it's kind of disruptive anyway. I mean, there's not many targeting capabilities that you can do. And I I don't listen to like free Spotify or anything like that. But, you know, I've heard of instances where the wrong ad is inserted in like a crime podcast or something like that, which can be quite dire and not good for the brand, very off brand. That's something, yeah, there's something that because there's a lack of visibility, then those advertisers yeah. aren't able to vet. Yeah. So if imagine if it's like the, play, the right places. Exactly. Like imagine if they're like mid roll and there's a crime podcast and they're talking about having like they've killed someone and they've got them in the back of the truck and then bloody Toyota ad comes in the mid roll. Mm. Not a good look for Toyota. Okay. So next on the list is partnerships. And you're saying. It's also ad revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So can you explain? (laughs) (laughs) So obviously like a partnership is a mutual agreement between an advertiser and the creator. Yeah, two Um, consenting businesses. Two consenting people. Um, No, but 54% of overall revenue from podcasts comes from partnerships, which makes sense because in my opinion, they're more natural in when you're listening to a podcast, for example, Hamish and Andy, I feel like they do sponsorships really well. Currently, they are sponsored by McDonald's and McDelivery. And in COVID, I feel like it's the perfect sponsorship or partnership because they integrate it so well, um, McDelivery services. And they're pretty funny guys. So I guess they can talk about anything. But it's almost seamless in the podcast. Whereas when you have ad revenue or dynamic ad insertion, it can seem quite out of place. Yeah, maybe maybe it goes the dynamic ad insertion makes it a lot more radio like. Well, kind of. You know, it kind of cuts off and then you've got kind of a couple of um, very separate ads that are quite jarring. I feel like it's the easy way out. It's not create <laughs> here I am talking about ads, but like it's because it has a lack of targeting at the moment, I think it's just yeah, let's just do ad revenue. That seems to be the easiest thing, but it's not. In this case, having a formed relationship with a brand is, and that's how you manage a partnership. So sponsorship seems to be the best way to go. And it's probably because it's also, yeah, as you said, it just seems so much more natural, better for the listener and the user experience. Which is for the audience. It respects the audience a bit more. Yeah, it just respects them. This one you will love. And partnerships like 
like live reads as well, right? It's like when you, yeah. you're like, I'm reading, it's my voice. And so the audience is a lot more attuned to that. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. Okay. Um, Sorry, next. Yeah, next. next. Um, thank you, next. This is probably your favorite one, which is some sort of subscription model. Um, so I know you often talk about <laughs> special paid memberships and bits and pieces like that. Um, so, you know, you could put special access to exclusive episodes. You could have Michelle Obama on your podcast and people would have to pay to watch that particular podcast. You could also have a subscription model um, with Apple mm. or something like that. Um, you know, so there's many ways to build a subscription. It's just how much you value your content or your audience values your content. Yeah. And this is how hard you can go. It does seem more pure because it's so much more just money in the bank for the the creator at the end, mm. end of the day. 100%. Do you strip out all the kind of maybe admin work and things like that and you don't piss off the audience as well? Yeah. Um, not to say that the audience will be pissed off with an ad, but it might be, you know, you avoid that kind of jarring effect that might occur with an, like an ad being sliced straight in. Yeah. And I think one point is interesting Apparently, people pay more for live streams of episodes. Could you imagine us on a live stream? Actually, this episode would be quite entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, it actually would be. But you'd you'd have to put a lot of work in prior to. Live streams as well as, um, I've heard like of meetups as well. Yeah, meetups. Whereas like they do a live show. It's not a live stream, but it's actually like, hey, come in oh. the door. Almost like as though it's a comedy gig. Oh, yeah. I have seen that, actually. Yeah. I literally watched a documentary and it had one of those in it last oh. night. Don't you think that's weird? I don't yeah, know. What to, I, like... I suppose because I don't know what to expect. Is it like if I, let's just say I, I was listening to um, how stuff you should know. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we, we're doing it. Here are tour dates. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. There's that. Famous American accent again. <laughs> Here are our tour dates. Um, all no, right, but we've just lost if, all of our no. American oh, audience. No, but um, I, I just don't know what they would do. Yeah, it'd be well. It's kind of like radio because they film. They kind of film the talk show. I think I'm picturing them just literally sitting behind a desk with a microphone doing their podcast. It's yeah, it's kind it of like a panel. That. It couldn't do that. Surely. Be like a recorded panel but it's interesting it is an interesting one and then also another way um within that subscription model would be to gate your backlog so you've given it to the people for free um and if they haven't listened to it in a timely matter you've actually gated it off so they have to pay to watch the backlog oh. to listen to the backlog oh that's a bit of a Actually, there's one podcast I know that does that really well. Who? It's the um, Hardcore History. Oh. You... <laughs> no. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, yeah, I have not tuned into Hardcore History. Why but not? I might give it a go. <laughs> it's about history. It's cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and they've gated that backlog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy's gated the backlog. Okay? And it's annoying. And it's something he's done really well. Okay, can more context is that it's just it, it i'm not even going to try and moving along um, um well 
Or do you want to say one more thing about oh, well, he's the history? Yeah. So he, so you recommend a, uh, say I might recommend the World War One series, and you go on there and it's not there because he's backlogged it. Is that the right word? Yeah, gated it. Gated it. He's gated it. He's gated it. He's gated. He's backlogged. <laughs> backlog. He's <it's> like <laughs> you ain't coming here. It's my backlog. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, this is going to be the best one. Yes. Um, indirect revenue. No, you miss cross-platform, <laughs> 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 which is like uploading your audio track to YouTube, which makes sense, right? And it's so much easier than what you think. No, it's not. People, it's hard. Well, it's hard to get. <laughs> yeah, Someone's actually listened to it. <laughs> um. No, it is easy in the platform. That goes back. It's just ad revenue, though, isn't it? It's ad revenue, but it's a, it's a different on video. It's on YouTube now. Okay, at least you get higher CPMs, presumably. No, you just get more views based on the YouTube SEO algorithm. Essentially, like it's just another way. Oh, getting ad revenue. Yeah. Um. But it's cross-platform because it's not in an audio. I feel like we only have four. Um, an email list, that's another one that's cross-platforming. So putting your um, – I don't want to give this away because I feel like Chris feels like he invented this concept a few months ago where you have your oh. podcast within an email and you send it direct to your user and they listen to it. It's just a means to the end, to an end, right? <laughs> So it's just a tool. Technology exactly. is the Exactly. So it's cross-platform, yes. Um, Talk more about it. I know you love this topic. Which one? Emails? Yes. Oh, it's just a um, – it's always been there as a, as a monetization tool. But email lists, um, I think, is just – has risen up because it's it's basically just blogging, essentially, right? Like a a, 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 a repurposed blog. But people are going back to email lists because they can control the – they're like not control their audience that's the wrong phrase they have ownership of their audience rather than say being at the whim of a seo yeah. algorithm so google is constantly trying to refresh the the audience or the, actually in general all the platforms are trying to capture the audience and keep them mm-hmm. whereas email is or newsletters are one of those examples where the content owner as that direct relationship. Yeah, which is um, super important. Yeah, super important. And I wouldn't be surprised if Google is about to just mess up Gmail. The- well, they can't because we've got the Gmail, like, what are they called? What are the Gmail aliases? Like, we've got... Like, a, a Gmail emails? <laughs> no, is it? <laughs> like, the they- aliases. The aliases. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> My alias. <laughs> No, no like, is it like if people subscribe to our newsletter, they would put their first name, last name, and email address. We physically now own that data because they have opted to subscribe. Which we hold dear to us and would never release. would never release it. But Google couldn't mess that up. Yeah, but they could. How if would they mess that up? But if someone's looking at the email in Gmail, like Google could just point all the newsletters that it doesn't make money from in some form into spam or into um, promotion. You know how there's those, there's those yeah. three different sections? And it's like your primary email and then there's like um, social offers and, like, and promotions and mm-hmm. things like that. They could just funnel that all wherever, which way they go. 
And it could also make it a lot easier for someone to maybe unsubscribe or whatever. Like the the email web client could be changed to it could change. Anyways, the point is you can hear podcasts right from your email. Pretty cool. Um, next. <laughs> Indirect revenues. So I feel like someone's throwing money at your head, like a coin at your back of your head when you say indirect revenue. Why? This is one picture. Okay. Indirect. Well, it pretty much is. It's kind of like... Everything that can't be funneled into those three, four. Yeah. So an idea could be merch. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about it in the Streaming Wars series where Disney Plus made a lot of money or a lot of revenue through merch. And do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We were saying how back in those episodes that Disney Plus was awesome because it would like expose the audience to just Disney's other revenue streams. Yeah. Okay. Um, another way is public speaking. So being invited to events because you are the expert on the subject. So, of course, we'd be hopefully invited to tech conferences and industry updates and all of that kind of stuff, um, which would be cool. Um, One cool one is like having a network or meeting up. So like, you know, inviting everyone to like a function, having a meetup. People might donate. I don't know. Anything could happen. Um, meet some like-minded people. Mm. And then another one of Chris's favorites, an e-course. <laughs> These are all very indirect revenue streams, which sounds very appealing. Um, your favorite out of those five? My favorite would have to be the cross-platform because I feel like YouTube video streaming is so much more advanced than podcasts. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to upload your audio into a video format, which is pretty easy to do, and you can switch a button in the settings to say monetize, and then you get lots of views, it's just a nice little V-buck in the bank for your little game that you play. What's your favorite? Again, <laughs> I'm allowed to play it, and I, but I don't play it, so I'll leave it there. Um, I think this, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting sponsorship, like a like a proper sponsorship, and having like, for example, at the at beginning of a podcast, they will be like, you know, hey, this is brought to you by Dell computers. Oh, I thought you were going to say, hey, this is brought to you by Epic. Who does? <laughs> What's it called? Elite? Who's Fortnite? And have like the guy with the big machete, like the cartoon type machete. Is it the cartoony? Yeah. Cartoon. Yeah. So it's like this random cartoon <laughs> machete coming across our little YouTube. I, I feel platform. like you're a closet uh, Fortnite player. Perhaps. I think it all the truth has come out. Um, so it, I think all five of these points is that they're more or less have kind of spawned out of a similar kind of wave of monetization from like kind of smaller content creators trying to find ways to get obviously to support their business mm-hmm. at the end of the day or ways for fans to encourage more content development 
Um, because I say YouTubers are going through a similar thing where there's not as much money um, for smaller creators Mm -hmm. uh, as there would be for obviously the giant ones that are like the behemoths of YouTube. So to support that, they've come out with like different ways of getting that through some of the methods we talked about outside of ad revenue. So I suppose that, you know, looking at these five points, then there's almost a... Like this, this industry itself and it's, is in its infancy when it comes to the, the ad insertion side of things, which is really forcing content creators or podcasters to go down some of these other routes. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's something else at play where it's more or less like because, say, YouTube or podcasting is enables a lot more niche content for audiences. Like these people who follow, you know, something that's really a, a passion of theirs would want to help those creators out to get more content that they really love. Yeah. But won't be something that's made by mainstream media. So, for example, you might be really into flight simulator, you know, but a, you know, a broadcaster here or um, whatever won't make a flight simulator show. As an example. Great example. So you might want to buy the t-shirt. I don't know. Oh, yeah, or the yeah, or the mug, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or the mug. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want, or buy tickets to the theme park. Okay. Know. So, um, what's next, Cax? Next is the future of audio. We will have a podcast dedicated to what we think the future is. I know we kind of dabble in it per episode because it's so interesting and podcasting is quite young. Um, but, yeah, really excited to talk about that next episode. Um, but until then, if you want to, check out our blog, internetads.org. We'll have all the info up in the resources where we got this information from um, and, of course, our own opinions. Also, if you like to subscribe to our newsletter um heard that database getting pretty big thanks chris um he's just managing that nicely um yeah exciting um our instagram as well oh yes forgot how could i forget how could you i don't know it's got some great stuff on there so also internet ads on instagram will have a direct link to oh, the computer is saying goodbye as well <laughs> a direct link to the podcast where you can have a little listen. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Bye.